Hey, this is Dr. Priyanka Venugopal, and you're listening to Weight Loss for Unstoppable Moms, episode 34, Loving Weight Loss with Diana. When you hate your weight loss strategy, it is not surprising that you don't stick with it. Today, I'm having a conversation with one of my lovely unstoppable clients, Diana. One of the biggest themes that we've been uncovering inside the group recently is how important it is to fall in love with your weight loss strategy. It's really one of the core principles that I teach my clients. So when Diana was sharing in the group how she's blown her mind with how much she has been loving the way she eats while she's losing weight, I knew I wanted to have her on the podcast so she could share her thoughts with all of you. Diana, like many of you, has tried so many things in the past, and like she's about to share, she hated it. Inside Unstoppable, one of our guiding principles is to eat in a way that really delights your taste buds, but also delights your body. And I want you all to know, yes, it is absolutely possible to create a way of eating that serves both. And that's the way you actually lose weight permanently and get mind-blowing results. And here's what I'm going to say. It is really the only permanent way. If you hate your strategy, I promise you it will not last, or you'll be holding on for dear life, trying to get more and more willpower. I show you how to create a strategy that you will love. Now, before I get into our conversation, I wanted to make sure you know that if you missed the last Antidote Masterclass, you don't have to worry. We are going to be doing it again. So head on over to the unstoppablemombrain.com forward slash antidote for all of the details. I highly, highly recommend that you come live because I'll be answering your questions in real time and even coaching you on what comes up for you after you learn all this amazing material. And when you come to this webinar live, I will be having a special bonus just for you. So make sure you head on over to the unstoppablemombrain.com forward slash antidote, and I will see you there. Now, without further ado, let's hear what Diana has to say about how she's been losing weight without deprivation. Because seriously, guys, learning this as a skill is how you create permanent change. If you want to reach your ideal weight and create lightness for your body, you need to have simplicity, joy, and strategic decisions infused into your life. I'm a physician turned life and weight loss coach for ambitious working moms. I've lost over 60 pounds without counting points, calories, or crazy exercise plans. Most importantly, I feel calm and light on the scale and in my life. There's some delicious magic when you learn this work and the skills I'm going to be teaching you. Ready? Let's get to it. Hello. Welcome, Diana. I cannot wait to have you just introduce yourself in a moment. I want to hear, tell us a little bit about you, and then we're going to get into the real reason that I really wanted to bring you on today. So tell us a little bit about you, and then we're going to get right into it. Okay, sure. I am 40 years old. I have two kids that are eight and 10. I live in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm a working mom. So I work in engineering leadership. I'm a chief technology officer of a company. And I feel like my life is ruled by my work and my kids. Mm. Yet I would like to feel some changes in how I think about my weight yeah, and what I, I mean, eat. For sure. And that's really like how we first met was you know, you tell us, how did you discover Unstoppable? And like, what was it you think that made you realize that you actually wanted to solve this problem, given that you're a busy working mom, 
work matters to you, your kids matter to you. What was it that made you discover Unstoppable and then join? Okay. So I discovered it through when you were on a podcast Mm, that was focused on weight loss. Yeah. And the way you talk about weight loss just really, really resonated with me, not just Mm. weight loss, because I think that's not really the key thing, just the way that you talk about creating lasting change, simplicity about really examining your thoughts that really resonated with me. Mm. And I've done coaching and other like professional coaching. And so I really felt like having a coach for this aspect could really just be what I needed. So I wanted to give it a try. Yeah. And I'm so glad you did because there was something you were sharing in the group. I think it was either last week or the week before, but we were talking about one of the main like core principles for how we lose weight in Unstoppable. And I call it our body tool, but effectively it's like really listening to hunger and satiety in our body. And you said something on the call, which is like, I can't believe how simple just applying that one skill has been. So can you just share what it was that came up for you and how it's been so simple to apply just that tool? Well, when I started on the process, I wasn't only, maybe I'll just tell like a little bit of a longer story. I didn't feel like I was just applying that one tool. I started by doing the recommended avoiding flour and sugar for a while. I also really wanted to just have my hunger and satiety in my mind because that's another Mm -hmm. tool you recommended. Mm -hmm. I was also trying to do the daily commitment to my plan. So I was doing a few things applying the hunger and satiety tool was both the most simple and the most powerful one for me that really changed how I play. It changed my results. Yeah. So like, so yeah, let's just talk about that for a second. So you took a break from flour and sugar for a few weeks. And just before we even get into hunger and satiety, what do you think was the impact of really taking a break from highly processed foods for a few weeks, what was the impact for you in terms of how you felt physically in your body? And then of course, how do you think it impacted the hunger and satiety moving forward? I'm not sure I would have been able to do the hunger and satiety, mm-hmm. be as successful with it without starting with the no flour, no sugar, because yeah. in particular, the first week or two, definitely the first week were really challenging for me. Yeah. I was in this I think before I started this, I was really afraid of feeling hunger. And I think the no flour, no sugar break really helped make the my cravings for that stuff like less insane. Like they didn't feel like they were taking over my mind. So I think it was a combination of those two that really helped. But then when I was past the pause and used yeah. to, oh, it's okay to feel a little bit of hunger actually, because I'm going to be eating pretty soon once I'm at the hunger level that I'm expecting, then that really started to work for me alone. Yeah. So the first couple of weeks is challenging, right? We talk about that. Like when we first started, I think it's it's important to go in with that, like knowledge that we're detoxing from highly processed foods. We're sugar burners, especially if we've been eating a lot of flour and sugar for a while. It's normal that our body's like, I don't want to do the work to burn the fat on our bodies. Like give me the quick stuff. So it's normal that I think we experience that. And I like to call it coming out from being under the influence. The first week felt very challenging. And I was going into the second week, I wrote my whole plan for the week. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely nervous that the second week would be as challenging. And then by the second 
second week, it felt, yeah, I think my cravings for those foods just felt a lot more intense. And I was starting to feel more energy and some of the other benefits that I ended up feeling. I felt more energy, but I also felt like my mind was more clear. I just didn't Mm -hmm. spend time thinking, having thought. I just didn't have the craving thoughts. So I just felt like I could focus on other things and I didn't have some kind of like alien in my mind constantly like poking at me, reminding me (laughs) that, oh, maybe you should have a little snack here and there. All of that went away. So I felt a lot more free in a sense from those kinds of thoughts. Yeah, which is, I think, something that so many women want. Like they want to lose weight, whether it's five pounds or 50. But I, at least in like all the conversations that I have been having with all of us in this room and all of the, the clients I've ever worked with is we also just want a break from that alien poking at us. Like the thoughts that keep coming back again and again and again, we want a break from that. It's like we want to lose the weight, but we want a break from that. So tell me about that. Cause I feel like that is the, the piece of it that we just sometimes look over, which is why we're like always tapping into willpower, but it's that negotiating voice, the, the, the alien tapping at us. Tell me what, what's been your experience with that. Yeah, I would completely agree. That's probably the biggest thing I'm after because I don't have a huge amount of weight to lose. I just want to stop thinking about wanting to lose yes. weight and stop having all those thoughts like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have eaten that because now I won't be able to lose weight. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's really my biggest goal is to be able to just focus on other things in my life. Yeah. And it's like, we've, we've only been working together for a couple of months and already you're starting to just notice that you don't have those thoughts as much anymore. And when you do, it's like just not even a problem. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, which is so good. So Okay. This kind of like leads me to the second thing. I think that sometimes, and historically, I know I've done this. I'm curious if you could share your experience. Historically, like in the past, when we've tried to lose weight, we have quote unquote restricted, right? So we've either counted points or calories or macros or like logged our foods in an app or, you know, labeled foods as good and bad. And I think that sometimes that's led us to eat in a way that doesn't really delight us completely. And what we do in the unstoppable is I talk about creating delightment for your whole body, right? Like we want your taste buds to be delighted, but also your body. So what do you think has been the impact of creating a way of eating that fits into your real life, but also delights your whole self? Well, that's another thing that has blown my mind. I didn't know that was possible. I think this struck me when we first had a conversation. One of the things that you said was, oh, in the past, if you've tried to lose weight, what did you think of the process? And I said something like, oh, I I hated it. It was horrible. I remember you saying that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and I think your response is, I don't remember your response, but I think what I took away from that is, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's a big underpinning of your process, right? A big part of it is falling in love with the actions you're taking or what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. so that has been really huge for me, really shifting the process to something that I choose that I'm really enjoying. And that includes having foods that are delightful and delicious. I can hold back to the hunger and satiety piece. Mm -hmm. I don't feel restricted because I can, because I'm not actually making any rules around what I'm eating. It's more like when I'm feeling hungry, okay, I can have that delicious food. And I, so it's, 
the opposite of deprivation, or I'm able to not see it that way, which is how I've always seen it in the past. So it feels sustainable. Yeah. I remember actually on our consult call, one of the things that we had talked about was like, how do you love the way you've tried to lose weight? And you literally said, I've hated it. (laughs) And I think that what I said to you was like, well, it's not surprising that you didn't keep doing it. I think this is literally one of the pieces that I want more women to know is if you hate the process of weight loss, you're not going to keep doing it. Like if you hate weight loss, if you hate the process of weight loss, it'll work for a minute while you grit and grind. Of course, you need a lot of willpower to muscle through. But eventually it's like, I don't want to keep doing this thing I don't love. And I think what we're doing, which is different, is we're creating a way of eating that you choose, that you love, that delights all of you. And I think that that's the part that somebody might hear it. Hearing this might be like, that sounds too good to be true. Like, yeah, as you're saying it, it sounds too good to be true. It doesn't really seem real. Yeah, it doesn't seem real because we're so used to doing all of these old diet brain ways of counting, calculating and restricting. And the worst thing is, is that it doesn't work. So we gain it back. It's like, see, so I, I have to probably be more strict. I probably have to restrict more. And what we're talking about is actually delighting your whole self while listening to your hunger and satiety is literally the key. So it sounds too good to be true, but tell us, Diana, in your own words, how is it not too good to be true? What do you think? Well, I wouldn't say it's super simple from the beginning. It's not like I flip a switch and snap my fingers and all of a sudden everything's working. Definitely there were a a couple steps that you really have to think through. I think I am examining my thoughts and that's something that I'm doing continuously. So it's not like nothing. Right. But then once I've been able to tackle those things, it's just way more simple and easy than I could have expected. And that's the part that's surprising. Right. And so I think what, you know, what I want to highlight, I'm so glad that you're saying it this way is that it isn't too good to be true because it requires work. Like you show up to our coaching calls, you show up in the written coaching cafe, you get coached, you're like evaluating, you're creating your plans, you're sharing them, you're like engaging. And There's intention and work involved in that. And so it's, I always like to say, whenever somebody says, oh, it's too good to be true, I think that the implication is like, it's all like going to just fall out of the universe into my brain. And what we're saying is, no, it won't fall out of its, you know, out of the universe into your brain. You have to deliberately prioritize it. Yep. I think that covers it. And I would add one thing, which is that you have to be deliberate. But the things that I was afraid of, like, feeling like I really hated hunger. I do not want to feel hungry. So I'm going to instead make sure that I eat ton at every single meal and snack all the time. So not feeling hungry. That's the part that I was afraid of that would feel so hard. That's not the where the work is. The work is on this in this other area that doesn't actually feel hard. It's kind of nice. Like you're putting some attention into yourself and intentionality into what you're trying to do in your life. Yeah. So there's two things that you're saying, and I want to kind of explore both. One is, you said before, you used to fear getting hungry. You used to fear hunger as just like, and what we've been talking about really in Unstoppable is hunger is just this natural sensation, like the need to go pee. Hunger is also just normal, but it's so, so, so common that we fear it. Where do you think that that came from for you? Like the idea of fearing hunger and then of course, overeating in advance to anticipate not getting hungry later. I can only think that it 
comes from previous attempts at trying to lose weight, Mm -hmm. which I have hated and I've been feeling hungry. So maybe those two are associated in my mind. Like I hate this process. I'm feeling hungry the whole time. Therefore, (laughs) that's my reaction to that. Like any hint of me feeling hungry, I just immediately want to move away from that. Right. And and tell me if this feels true for you, but I think what's happened in the decades of just the diet industry taking over how we lose weight and what I think a lot of listeners are going to probably resonate with is that we have experienced hunger in our attempts to lose weight. And so anytime we imagine the idea of allowing ourselves to get to that, what we call the yum, our yummy hunger level, we've just kind of, it's like intertwined or like married to deprivation. And so, of course, we fear that and we want to prevent it at all costs because humans don't want to deprive ourselves. Very naturally, we don't want to deprive ourselves. And what we've been doing in Unstoppable is we've been kind of untethering those two from each other. You never have to deprive yourself and it's totally okay and safe to get to your yummy hunger level because you always answer it, right? I think that that's the piece you're always going to answer it deliciously. What would you say to that? That's a great way of putting it that I'm able to separate hunger from depriving myself. I actually want the food that's a little bit more nutritious for my body, or it's like filling a different part of myself than, you know, the other, the other part, other side. Yeah. And what do you think you would say? Because, you know, the, the body tools that we talk about, there's two pieces to it. One is eating when you get to your yummy hunger level and then stopping when you're not hungry anymore. So can you speak to that part of it too? Like, how did you used to feel before in terms of eating past comfort? And how do you feel about that now? In the past, I tended to often eat past comfort. And I Mm. think partly because I was pretty nervous about feeling hungry. So I just didn't want to feel hungry again, 30 minutes later, even a hint. And so I would definitely err on the side of feeling more full Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I would just not think about it and end up really full. So both yeah. used to happen. And now satiety is something that I'm working on. I think it's the more mm-hmm. challenging part of it. Mm-hmm. But I do have with like a different shift in perspective where I know once I'm hungry again, I can always eat. I don't mm-hmm. have to pre-eat. <laughs> so right. I'm much more able yeah. to let go and stop at the appropriate time that's comfortable for myself. Yeah. And tell me whether this feels true, but it's it's like one of the things that we do is we take the emergency out of hunger. It's like the sensation of hunger, it's just never an emergency because we just get to dine in, but it comes with a caveat, which is we're promising ourselves we're going to eat deliciously, like exactly when we when we choose to, when we plan to. And I think it's that piece that we historically haven't done. It's we've been depriving ourselves and counting and restricting and looking at the app, like, did I hit my points? And so we have not actually created that relationship of trust with ourselves that like, okay, I hear you, you're hungry, it's not an emergency, but I promise you we're going to eat so deliciously in like just a few minutes. I'm wondering whether that sensation for you has created some calm to allow the hunger to be there for you. Absolutely. I definitely feel more calm about the whole process of meals I think it's almost subconscious. I just don't even think about it that much anymore. I'm just able to stop and I'm not really worried about what's to come because I already know that the way I've been eating each day is when I'm at a certain hunger level, I can just eat. Yeah, which is so good. And the other thing that you had mentioned, I think is important is, 
you took a break from highly processed foods like flour and sugar, and it helped you really bring your hunger hormones back into balance. And that step was important for you to be able to do this step, which is really listening to hunger and satiety. We had to take the emergency out of hunger and not fear it anymore. But you also mentioned that you have reintroduced some of those foods that you have eaten before, like flour, sugar, some other highly processed foods. What would you say is the difference in how you eat those foods now versus how you used to eat them before? I think I'm like not trying to sneak them in or anything. I'm not like trying to stuff them in. It's just a normal part of the rest of the meal. At least that's how I've been trying to approach it. Yeah, because that was one of the things that you said at the very beginning that I thought was so important, which is like, I want to be able to eat all foods. I don't want to ever like have something that's quote unquote, not on my list of foods that I can eat, which is not for everybody. But I think that what you have done is you've allowed experimentation. You took a break and now you're experimenting. Like, what does it feel like to like have the tacos when I go out with my coworkers? Or how does it feel for me to go to the family dinner and like eat some of these foods that do have flour and sugar, but eat them in a way that still honors my whole self, right? Like how my body feels and how my taste buds feel. So I think that that was one of the things that you said was important to you. And and I think that I want to kind of recognize that you're willing to experiment with how it goes because it hasn't been a linear line down on the scale for you, right? Like there's been a a couple of moments that it's gone up. Yeah. What would you say, like what's been kind of the correlation for you? Yeah, that's a good point. I am in the experimental stage with those foods. And I do appreciate the framing of it as the playful scientist. And I'm just checking what happens. And so I'm actually surprised every time where I, when I eat those foods a little bit or in some moderation, but I'm still able to have results on the scale. And sometimes I don't. And so I just learned something new, but I see it as yeah, I don't have a a big emotional reaction to it either way. I'm just trying to learn from it. So you talked about, I think it was either a week or two weeks ago where you went on a trip and you gained Mm -hmm. 0.8 pounds. But the thing that really surprised me was you're like, and I feel kind of happy about it. You were like, happy, you came back. Historically, what do we do, right? We gain weight and we're like, see, there we go again. We like kind of quit for a couple of weeks, months, however long. And that's where the weight gain happens. But you came back and you looked at that 0.8 pounds. Your playful scientist evaluation was so fire. I even said this is on fire. I put like fire emojis. (laughs) What was it do you think that was really impactful for you to see it in that way? And how is it that you were able to feel happy about the 0.8 pounds being up? I felt really happy because throughout that week when I was on that trip, I was doing a lot of the things that I had already learned, it just felt like I had already really shifted my thinking. Even during that week, the big thing that I would really like from all of this is just not to have so many thoughts about food in my brain. And I really didn't have that many. I was able to so many times, I didn't overeat the whole week and usually I tend to do that. I didn't over drink. I just think I had already made so many changes and they felt so simple. So that's why I came back feeling optimistic and great about the results, even though they didn't quite on the micro level go in the direction um, that I wanted. But like, what was so interesting is like, because you did that and because you were able to evaluate it, I call it like a clean evaluation. I think of a clean evaluation as like truly coming from curiosity, 
versus like a dirty evaluation, which is when you're like coming from criticism. It's hard to really see what created the 0.8 pounds. And the reason that I said it was fire is because it was so clearly coming from curiosity. And not surprisingly, you lost the 0.8 pounds and then some in like a few days, right? It was like not surprising because you discovered the reason that you gained the 0.8 pounds. Like we've been able to uncover what was the reason that you ate past your comfort level or ate when you weren't hungry. And then that is the piece that we got to coach on in our coaching sessions. That I deserve a break, I deserve a treat was a huge theme for me. I'm someone that really struggled, especially on Friday and Saturday nights. I feel like during the work week, I give so much. I constantly have fires at work. I'm constantly solving problems. Right. Yeah. It just feels very hectic. And then so I definitely always want to treat myself, relax, and that was my story. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what's interesting, and and this is one of the first things that we talk about is I think working moms do deserve a break. We are working really hard. We are really handling a lot. We are showing up in our work life and in our mom life, really from a place of just deep love and passion, because that's why we're doing it. So it's not, not true. Like it's not a lie on Friday night or Saturday. Like I deserve a break. And I think what we're uncovering is, but like, how does food fit into that? Yes, you deserve a break, but what is the story that's happening around your work life and your mom life that's even leaving you feeling lacking? Since a big part of eating a certain way is about really falling in love with it and realizing and really being dedicated to how this fits into my life goals and my future goals, it all of a sudden made it think that if I feel like I need a break and my response to that is to overeat, then I'm actually kind of violating this thing that I deeply have decided I love and want Mm -hmm. to create for myself. So it just became more of a contradiction when I also love the plan. Right. Whereas previously, if I was trying to lose weight and I hated the plan the whole time, then that's very consistent (laughs) with me needing a break. So I definitely need a break also from the plan. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. And so it's almost like, and tell me whether this feels true. It's like we're able to uncover when you know you love the plan, but you're also like, I need a break and I'm trying to like undo the plan. We get to ask why, like what's happening here that's making me not follow through on this plan that I love. And that's where we get to coaching. We get to uncover like, oh, I have some thoughts around, you know, what's socially acceptable. I have some thoughts around like, you know, I'm having a lot of stress at work because of, you know, something happening, or I have a lot of annoyances with my kids. Like we get to uncover why would we ever not follow through on a plan we love? Because we get to uncover that in coaching. Yeah. That's my favorite part of doing this, that I can really examine why I'm taking certain actions. Yeah. Because if we have a plan we love, why would we not follow through? It's always subconscious. If it was conscious, we're brilliant. Everyone that is listening to this and everyone in this room is brilliant. We're working moms. We are very smart humans. So if it was conscious, we wouldn't do it. I think that's the whole point, right? The magic of what we're talking about is if it was conscious, we wouldn't do it. What we uncover in coaching is the subconscious thoughts and beliefs that maybe we've had for many years that we didn't know were thoughts and beliefs. We just took them as truth and we ran with it. We were like, wait, well, why am I not following this plan I love? We just couldn't figure out why. Oh yeah, completely. I think there's a lot of, and I'm still uncovering more of them. I think in our current coach, ongoing coaching conversation, 
conversation around how I eat in groups or in social situations. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole bag of issues there that I'd like to continue to uncover. And I think all of so many of the behaviors that I find myself taking are subconscious or based on those kinds of habits. Yeah. And like what you're referring to, like this idea of, you know, how we eat in social settings is one example, because we just said at the start of this call, right, that eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're comfortable eating high quality foods is the way you lose weight simply. The only thing that gets in the way is we'll have some thoughts around how I should be eating when everybody else is eating or how I should be eating because it's 12 o'clock or how I should be eating because there's still food on my plate. I don't want to throw it away. Like we have so many thoughts that get in the way of this vehicle that actually works. And I think that's the beauty to uncover that subconscious thought, because that's the only thing that gets in the way is that story that we have. So the other thing that you've mentioned, which I thought is really worth mentioning, is the idea of really curating commitment, like building your, I, I think of it as like a bank account of golden nuggets that we just deposit on a daily basis. And you said something a few weeks ago around like, I cannot believe how impactful it is to do the daily work. Can you tell us about your experience with doing the daily work and why it's been so impactful? The daily work for me is the reminder of why I'm doing this plan, why I love it, and also what might be getting in my way in the future that I can start thinking about now. And so that's been really helpful for me because it means that I do my daily work in the evening. So my kids go to bed and I sit down, I have like a warm cup of tea Mm -hmm. and sometimes I light a candle and I feel like it's my me time. It's my relaxation time. But instead of eating ice cream, I'm just reminding myself of what I'm trying to do in my life and why I love it. So it makes it easy Mm-hmm. to then take the actions yeah. because it's at the forefront of my mind that I'm really loving the plan. That's right. And so this this kind of speaks to, I have this whole philosophy around like, don't wing it. Like you have a desire to feel lighter in your body and feel lighter in your mind. Like, let's not wing that anymore. And I think what we have done is we maybe assume like, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to feel calm in my mind. We assume because we want it that that's enough. And I think what the daily work and what we uncover in Unstoppable is wanting it is not enough. We have to actually prioritize our dreams and our goals. And I think that it was such a good example when you uncovered that because I don't think that we realize that we have to curate commitment on purpose. Like we have to actually sit down and do it on purpose because it doesn't happen on its own. This is the part, right? Where we were saying it's not too good to be true. There's work involved. This is the work. Could you speak to a little bit like how much like real time and effort does it actually take for you to do this quote unquote work? I would say that I spend about 10 or 15 minutes doing that daily work mm-hmm. each evening. And then on Sundays, it might take me a little bit longer to do the evaluation part of it where I review the previous week and yeah. just re-plan yeah. for my next week. Yeah. Like you take a look at what worked and what didn't, and then you make tweaks. How long would you say even that process is for you? I shoot for 30 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like if I can really 
really step back and not just try to do it as quickly as possible. I really try to say, okay, I'm going to really leave 30 minutes. And that way I can think about each area and be thoughtful and do that curiosity portion of it. And so if I can do 30 minutes, then I feel great about it. And I feel like I've refreshed why I'm doing all of this and what's actually important for me to focus on in my life. Which is so good. Can you tell me whether this feels true? Because I think people are surprised or maybe a little flummoxed or flabbergasted at this that because we're busy working moms, busy working moms like have a very, very strong story that they don't have enough time, that they have too much to do. They have projects and holidays and vacations and all this stuff coming up. And now is not the best time to lose weight because they don't have the time. And what you're saying is that in 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes once a week, you've been able to create so much more freedom and actually lose weight with less time. Can you speak to your thoughts around like losing weight, not requiring more time? Well, I'm definitely one of those people or one in that category where I'm constantly rushed. I feel like I'm running to things to things. I'm always late. Things are complete insanity in general in my life. But one of the things you said when I think we had our first call was being deliberate about what I want to make a priority. So I just put it in my calendar. And so it's, I have that time that I commit. And then I think it really does open up, save me a lot of time in Mm. just the mental chatter and the mental decision-making that I then have to do throughout the week around this one aspect of my life. Like this part feels like it's now a little bit on autopilot Mm -hmm. because of that time I spend each day making it a priority. This is the part that I think is the best news because again, it's like investing and not winging this piece, the 15 minutes per day is actually going to save you time, not just time and decision-making, but like bandwidth, like all the chatter, the back and forth, like, what should I have? What should I not have? Should I overeat the thing? Should I do it? Like we just delete all that. Like think of how much time you start to save. And then more than that, how much mental energy you start saving. The mental energy is definitely the number one, the biggest Mm -hmm. impact for me. I think the biggest experience for me and why I'm excited about coaching and why I don't think I would have been able to do this without coaching is that it's a really big shift for me to examine my thoughts and how those end up creating my actions and the results that I have. And so I'm kind of looking forward to applying it to other areas of my life after I'm done with this weight piece. But it's also been very mind blowing for me because all of these things, I think I need to learn slowly over time. And so having a coach to really put that effort, help me put that effort in and help me examine these thoughts. So powerful for me. So I'm very glad that I'm doing it. I'm so glad. And if you could just like, just the last thing, just to wrap up, what would you say it is about being in this intimate group that, because, you know, you can do one-on-one private coaching, or you can choose to be in an intimate small group. Is there something that you think resonated with you about being in an intimate room specifically that is worth sharing? I think the main thing that I enjoy in the group setting is learning from other people's experiences mm-hmm. because often it uncovers things that are also a challenge for me that I haven't even thought about or gotten mm-hmm. to. So there's that extra benefit. Yeah. And it's like, no one's alone. 
in this room, right? Like people, they, you know, people share what is coming up for them and what, you know, their stories are, what their feelings are. And I think one thing that we are starting to discover is like, oh, I'm not alone in that experience. It's not just me. And I think that to me, that is one of the things that is so impactful in being in an intimate room where you get to learn, I'm not alone in some of the thoughts that I've been having. Whereas when you're not being coached or you haven't seen this, I think that it's easy to feel like, oh, it's just me. It's just something with me. Like I'm the one that always ruminates about food. I'm the one that's negotiating all the time. It's easy for other people. It's not for me. And I think this room kind of helps to dispel that. Oh, Diana, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I think that anyone listening to this really understanding that there are some very simple but powerful tools that you learn. And then what we get to do together is really uncover anything that ever stands in the way because you get to lose weight and feel better at the same time, right? Which is, I think, so good. So thank you so much for sharing and we'll see you at the next one. Hey friends, join me for the Antidote to Willpower and Weight Loss Masterclass. It is literally the only way to create permanent and lasting results on the scale and for your body. You can go over to www.theunstoppablemombrain.com forward slash antidote for all of the details. Listen, willpower is normal, but it is also finite. And you'll notice that it's high on Monday morning, but by midweek or by the weekend, it has withered away. So what we need to do together is to use a strategy, especially when it comes to weight loss, that doesn't rely on willpower. In this masterclass, you're going to hear my personal story, my struggle at almost 200 pounds and how I had literally tried everything. It took me much of my experience as a physician and in my own personal struggles with trying to lose weight to finally crack the code. It didn't take more of my time, more of my energy, or more of my bandwidth. The antidote is actually the solution to all of that. It frees you from rumination and food chatter and absolutely creates lightness for your body. It's the real permanent solution to reaching your ideal weight. And as I've always said, it's the only way to create permanent change by infusing some simplicity and joy. That is exactly what you're going to be learning in this masterclass. And I cannot wait to see you there. Head on over to the unstoppablemombrain.com forward slash antidote. Bye. Thanks for listening to Weight Loss for Unstoppable Moms. It's been an honor spending this time with you and your brilliant brain. If you want more information or resources from the show, visit theunstoppablemombrain.com.